What's up, beautiful people? It's your girl, Amber Jones, and we are back for episode three of the revival, Faith, Justice, and Culture for the Now Generation. I just want to say thank you all for tuning in to episode two a couple weeks ago when we had the phenomenal Numa Pierre on to talk about prophets, being the reformers of culture, really embracing the prophetic in our everyday lives. So now we are back with episode three, and it'll just be me, y'all. I really want to uh, start this episode introducing kind of a new segment that I will be playing around with throughout the revival called Meditations. And Meditations is really just an opportunity to take a particular topic in in culture, in spirit, in justice work, um, and really be able to break it down a little bit more to bring on some teachings, um, some, some really good information for us to dig into, and to really ground ourselves to really sit and reflect on how we are incorporating that particular topic into our everyday lives. Um, I call it meditations for a couple of reasons. I think the act of meditation, there are different ways to describe it. Obviously, you have more of the Eastern perspective of uh, a mindfulness practice where you're literally sitting and you're tuning out all the noise and you're actually trying to uh, meditate on a particular theme and to really um, be really intentional with your thoughts. Um, in the Christian tradition, we all often talk about meditating on the word of the Lord or hiding the word in our hearts, um, really thinking about what it means to shift our thought process into a more godly space. And so I think this is just a good time to step back you know, I really love this time of the of the year. We are in the month of February where we are celebrating Black History Month. Um, we think a, a lot about love because of Valentine's Day. Um, also, it's my birthday month. Just wanted to, you know, throw that out there too. You know, a plug for a plug. <laughs> um, but oftentimes in the, in the Black tradition, the Black church tradition and just in community, we are taking this time to reflect on our history and our legacy and our culture. And so I thought, what other time would be the perfect time to introduce a meditation series? I'm also inspired um, by um, a teacher, a theologian, a scholar, also a spiritual advisor to the Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. Um, and that's Howard Thurman. He wrote a text called Meditations of the Heart which I found in a very peculiar peculiar way. I was looking up um, some books from him and came across this, this text. And then later on, I was very unsettled one night. I could not sleep. I don't know, my spirit was just a mess <laughs> for some odd reason. And something told me, can, why don't you look up uh, e-books and see if you can borrow Meditations from the Heart? At the time, I didn't have a paper copy and I literally read like 30 meditations at like one o'clock in the morning and it just deeply settled my spirit. And so I take inspiration from his works as well um, as as a space where you can reground yourself in some deep spiritual teachings about God and spirit. So for today's conversation today, we are going to talk about that four letter word, y'all, <laughs> L-O-V-E love. We're not going to talk about it in the, the frilly Valentine's Day, red hearts and red roses type of way. Um, we're going to talk about 
love um, at its root, um, that God is love, um, and in him um, is the full embodiment of love, and how a return to love is deeply critical in our, not just in our faith, but in our social, our political movements for change, um, and for our fight for justice. So I really want to first introduce this episode by bringing you to a text in scripture that is really grounding for me in my everyday life. It's like my life passage. Um, It's one of my favorite passages in the Bible. And it really evokes what that deep sustaining spiritual power of love really is. And it comes from the book of 1 John. And it's 1 John chapter 4, verses 7 through 21. I'm not gonna read all, I'm not gonna read all of it today on this episode because that's too long. So I really encourage you to go dust off your Bibles or your Bible apps and go look that up in your own time. That's 1 John chapter 4, verses 7 through 21. And what's important about this text, um, as you know, we always have to provide the context, um, is really knowing and understanding how love really showed up in this li- the life of this particular author. So John, who is one of Jesus' disciples, he's actually known as the disciple that Jesus loved or the d- beloved disciple, he wrote this letter. And he also wrote the letters of 2nd and 3rd John. He also wrote the Gospel of John. And he also wrote the book of Revelation. And John is actually, I think, one of the few disciples that does not die in a very traumatic way (laughs) at a pretty young age. He actually is one of the few disciples that actually gets to live a long life. So that's very interesting. Um, But in this particular book, in the book of First John, he really lifts up these main themes around love and fellowship with God. And so when I look at this scripture, what you will see is that there's a lot of interconnectedness between God and the embodiment of love, his love for us, and the love that we are to have for him and for each other. So there's a lot of great um verses, particularly in this passage that come to mind, but a couple of them I want to pull out for you today is verse seven and eight. Dear friends, let us love one another because love is from God and everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. The one who does not love does not know God because God is love. I think a lot of times we only want to focus on in verse eight, God's love, right? But you got to take that whole verse (laughs) into conversation here. It also says the one who does not love does not know God. The one who does not love does not know God. And I think there's a lot of people out here trying to know God absent of love and they are not finding him. Are trying to find love absent of God and not finding real love. And so I just think it's so important to understand that our pursuit of God, our pursuit of love are so deeply interconnected because we are literally talking about an attribute of God, part of his character, his identity, 
not just God being loving or God is full of love. No, as we say that God is king, God is good, God is holy, God is also love. And so that's just just a level of exaltation of that particular characteristic that we just have to take in mind when we're talking about the power of love, that literally love is so powerful that it is literally God. So another... um, Another verse I want to pull out from here as well. So we talked a lot about the relationship between love and God, but he also talks a lot. John talks a lot in this passage about our love for each other too. And so um, another scripture that I want to pull out here, verse 11, dear friends, if God loved us in this way, we must also love one another. No one has seen God. This is verse 12. No one has seen God. If we love one another, God remains in us and his love is made complete in us. There's a lot of refrains in here to love one another, love one another. And through loving one another, God is near us. The love is made complete in us. Um, And that just continues to build just how deeply powerful love is through our love. God is literally in fellowship with us as well. And that's through loving each other. And there's just so much more I can pull out from this. Um, I think another verse I want to pull out here is verse 18. In verse 18, it says, there is no fear in love. Instead, perfect love drives out fear because fear involves punishment. So the one who fears is not complete in love. Let me tell you, baby, (laughs) I cannot even count how many times I interact with so many things in my day, whether it's in my work, um, in just in community, just in so many ways in which fear is the foundation for people's actions, for people's message, for people's movements, for people's like literally their lives. (laughs) And it's a continuous reminder for me, where are the ways in which I am acting in fear, that I'm moving in fear, that I'm being motivated by fear. Because that is not what God has for me. If anything, he says, no, perfect love casts out fear. And it's also a reminder for me that love is more powerful than fear. That anything that people are trying to do to scare us into acting a particular way, that is trying to play upon our fears, play upon the things that make us uneasy to build power over us. Please, baby, know that love, perfect love, will cast all of that out and is much more powerful than anything that could be built upon the foundation of fear. So I just really want to encourage you all um, with this passage really as the grounding for our conversation today on love because what I really appreciate about this entire passage, and like I said, I could... I could go verse by verse if I really want to, but we really don't have the time. (laughs) It's that we are seeing this deep interconnected relationship between ourselves, between God, between community, and the power that comes out of knowing God in love. And so as we kind of transition, I really want to talk a little bit more about why have I been thinking so much about love lately? (laughs) I've been thinking a lot about love lately, really over the past couple months, um, partially through 
just honoring um, the life of one of our ancestors who left us um, at the end of last year, and that's Bell Hooks. And so um, Bell Hooks, she's just a phenomenal writer, professor. She was a teacher, um, and she's got a plethora, a plethora of text um, on the plethora of topics. I can't even start to fathom all the work that she's done. Um, and I think one of the seminal texts that when people think about bell hooks, um, this is the first text that they want to go to is her book, all about love, new visions. And I deeply encourage you all to go read that book. Um, it's an amazing book and it talks a lot about how love shows up in all these different facets and what that looks like. She talks about spirituality and love and really that the connectedness between the needs of the spirit um, and love are very deep rooted and that all awakening to love is essentially a spiritual awakening, which is obviously so deeply important to us here at The Revival. But there's actually another book that I picked up a long time ago, and I'm definitely that person. This is one of my toxic traits that I buy books. And I don't pick them up for years. <laughs> this is one of my toxic traits. But I'll pick them up eventually. <laughs> but maybe not as I bought it. But um, there's one of these books that I finally picked up for, of hers and read. And was just so deeply encouraged by it. And challenged by it as well. And it's called Salvation, Black People in Love. And this is kind of a part two to All About Love. So I kind of want to talk through a couple of really key pieces in this text and really encourage you all to pick it up as well um, because I, between first john four and salvation from bell hooks um, i think this is a really good opportunity as we talk about a return to love to really see um, for ourselves to assess for ourselves if we're really walking and acting in love in our communities our relationships ourselves <laughs> and our movements um and if we are really being honest with ourselves about the ways in which we have possibly rejected love for power significance and authority um and how that relates to the vitality of our communities and our movements so i want to kind of start just with the refrain that it is not too late to return to love y'all if there's anything that this book had really placed on my heart very heavy is that we need to emphasize the urgency of the matter to return to love and it's not too late if anything this is the time this is the moment to return to love in the midst of so much happening in our societies in the midst of pandemics and social unrest um and just the ongoing um tragedies that we're enduring our community um all the things I, this is the time. This is really the time to return to love. So one of the, the early um, points that Bell Hooks makes in Salvation, Black People in Love, is that love is political. So I'm going to read um, a passage from one of the first chapters in this book called The Heart of the Matter. Love is profoundly political. Our deepest revolu revolution will come when we understand this truth. Only love can give us the strength to go forward in the midst of heartbreak and misery. 
Only love can give us the power to reconcile, to redeem, the power to renew weary spirits and save lost souls. That transformative power of love is the foundation of all meaningful social change. Without love, our lives are without meaning. Love is the heart of the matter. When all else has fallen away, love sustains. I need to put that on my wall somewhere. <laughs> There's a few quotes from today. I'm like, I need to stylize that, put that up on the gallery wall because this is just, it's ministering to me right now. But one of the things that I have gleaned from just even my study, I've studied African-American studies and political science in college, and particularly around political science, is that at the heart of politic is really how power is exerted in a community, right? Um, politic and politics is really about how we move and shift power. And it's not necessarily power over, it's really the act of people power, right? And so if she is saying that love is political, is profoundly political, and politic, politics um, are about power, then we really need to center ourselves with the potential notion that love is probably our most untapped resource in building power. And that is completely antithetical to the systems of our time. That vain thing, love is deeply absent from power and that you need to build power without love in the picture or else you're not going to be able to sustain it. But honestly, that's not what she is uh, bringing up in this passage. And it's not what other like teachers have said as well. And that's also not what scripture is saying as well. If we're going back to first John, we're seeing how if God's the embodiment of love and he's also all powerful, that there's a deep interconnectedness between love and power right and that the best power is one rooted with a love ethic i was also um over the winter season so far been spending a lot of time in the teachings of dr martin luther king jr reverend dr martin luther king jr and i was listening to one of his speeches and i at this time i can't remember which one it was but he definitely arrested me with this particular quote. I had to stop. I had to bookmark it. I had to go make sure I found it and shared it with you all on the podcast because I think he is one of the best um, speakers that has um, laid out a relationship between power, love, and justice. And so the quote reads, power without love is reckless and abusive and love without power is sentimental and anemic. Power, as best, is love implementing the demands of justice. And justice, as best, is power correcting everything that stands against love. Whew, that's another call I need to put up on the wall, baby. <laughs> but what's so important here is that he very much shows what happens when you don't have one in the picture along with the other. I think particularly as black people, we know all well what it looks like to see power without love. We have been broken so many times under the weight of powerless love um, and how that has oppressed our communities, our nations, um, the diaspora for centuries. We know that very intimately. We also know <laughs> 
Well, it looks like when people want to bring love into the mixture, but not actually address power. We see that in a lot of the, the reconciliation, the racial reconciliation refrains, the kumbayas, the let's bring people together and love one another. And we haven't addressed power and we haven't addressed justice in the midst of that. And as Dr. King says, the sentimental and anemic, and anemic. And so when we are looking at the future, what we're really striving for is a love that's able to shift and move power in a way that bends towards justice, right? Bends towards justice that looks towards justice and is actually um, actualizing justice in a powerful way. And it's calling us and returning us back to love. It's all about love. It's all about cycling ourselves back to love. And so I want to kind of talk a little bit more about this justice thing, this justice piece. And, you know, I'm not going to spend so much time um, going through a lot of the other facets of this work by Bell Hooks because she she really breaks it down, y'all. She goes into self-love she goes as black folks um mama love (laughs) black masculinity Uh, she goes into so much um when it comes to the layers of how love shows up in black community and black relationship um but i'm only going to focus on how these things relate to justice so this is just another plug for y'all read this book But I want to dig deeper a little bit more. You know, we talked about Dr. King in particular, and obviously he's ruined um, the civil rights movement of the, the mid-20th century. And uh, there's there are several moments in Salvation where Bell Hooks really looks to that particular movement as um, such a, a prominent example of a movement for justice rooted in a love ethic and really showing us how in a lot of ways we may have fallen away from that love ethic and how it's affected our justice work and she writes this book i think in 2001 so we are (laughs) 21 years after this book was uh published and i would probably say a lot of this is probably still relevant in 2022 just based upon my experience in community organizing and I just really, I really, really want us to center this conversation very intentionally in our communities, in our, in our work. Uh, we really need to ask the question, um, how integral love has been in our justice work. So I want to read this, this other excerpt for you all from Salvation. From the chapter Loving Justice. Redemptive love has always had a special meaning for African Americans. Historically, it was often thought of in terms of the boundless love of a divine will powerful enough to enable the oppressed and exploited to find their way to freedom, to survive, and to triumph. When Martin Luther King galvanized African Americans as no other leader has ever done before, calling us to love justice above all else in such a way that we would be willing to give our lives to be free, he demanded that we move beyond the world of politics into a transcendent spiritual place of meaningful sacrifice. This call to sacrificial love was different from the notion of loving God as a bomb soothing the hurts of unjust torture and suffering. 
It was different from the Christian notion of forgiving and loving one's enemies. It was a call to stand for justice and freedom with one's whole heart, body, mind, and spirit. How quickly generations of African Americans have forgotten this legacy. She was really hitting points there, (laughs) y'all. But what I love that she called out here is that this wasn't just about politics. This wasn't just about nation. Like, this wasn't just about civil rights. It was about a transcendent spiritual place, a meaningful sacrifice. And that if we can go back to first the book of First John, actually, one of the scriptures um, that he writes is that basically love consists, this is verse 10, love consists in this, that not that we love, but that God loved us and sent his son to be the atoning sacrifice for our sins. Dear friends, if God loved us in this way, we must also love one another. And so there's this deep connection between love and sacrifice that I'm seeing here um, between these two texts. I think it's important to call out that if our movements are not rooted in a love ethic that's ultimately sacrificial, um, then we're not going far enough, right? Um, That it's always going to be about preserving ourselves for our own greater glory instead of sacrificing to see something better, to see a better future. Um, and so I really want to call ourselves to that piece um, when it, when we're talking about return to love and as it relates to justice, it should always be rooted in a type of sacrificial love um, that's not just about the lovey-dovey, bomb-soothing, the hurts, but it's really about pushing us forward into the future um, and doing that boldly and doing that fully. And so um, I think another piece here that I think is so incredibly important in this conversation is that, like I said, we need to ask ourselves, do our movements look like this? Not saying that the civil rights movement was perfect. It definitely was not (laughs) in so many ways, but there's something deeply beautiful about a movement that was rooted in largely a struggle to um, bring black people freedom but that it also opened doors for so many other oppressed folks to fight for their freedom as well. Um, And that's a a level of leadership that we should be proud of, right? That's a level of leadership that we should lean into um, and not not be ashamed of. And really just just this call to love justice above all else, it just really, it really is pushing me into the space of like, okay, how are the ways in which we don't see love in our movements? Um, I'm not going to read this particular passage. I had bookmarked it, but I'm trying not to inundate with y'all with a bunch of quotes. <laughs> just go read the book. Um, but later on in this chapter, Bell Hook, she is talking very clearly about different ways in which patriarchal thinking in particular um, really start to infiltrate freedom movements and, and movements for justice and how that took us away from a, perfect, a progressive vision of social justice that embraced love. And um, let me tell you, honey, <laughs> let's expand the conversation. Um, obviously, patriarchy is a big one there. Um, but any type of just oppressed system, a uh, system of oppression, my bad, that we are knowingly and 
unknowingly infusing into our movements. It's a setup. It's a setup for destruction. It's a setup for destruction, and it's not going to build the progressive vision that we are hoping for. And, you know, I've spent a lot of time in this work, and one of the most traumatic and tragic and just heartbreaking uh, moments in my journey has not been when we lost campaigns. It hasn't been, you know, when we see um, a backlash after we get some wins and then that that arc bends, right? And we see the backlash of hatred from the external. That's not that's not where I hurt the most. That's not where my heart bleeds the most. My heart bleeds the most when I start to see us replicating oppressive systems that promote domination and power over others in our own spaces that we are creating for liberation. I think it's deeply important that whatever movement that we are building, we must also um, be able to model what we are fighting for within the structures that we are building and creating, because those are the spaces that we control, right? And I've seen way too many times where a love ethic is absent, but a positional power is prevalent. Uh, I've seen so many times where we are, in, we just end up exerting power as our oppressors have done over each other, even over our allies. Um, and it really calls the question, do we really want to be free? <laughs> do we really want everyone to be free? Um, sorry, I just don't want to be a part of a movement that thinks that we can just swap out who's the head and who's the tail and keep going on like we're going on. Um, I think Dr. King talks a lot about, you know, we're not trying to create black supremacy here. And I agree wholeheartedly um, because we know that that same system will not serve us. We see the ways in which systemic oppression, racism, uh, patriarchy, homophobia, all these things, we see how deeply it can poison even those who benefit from it. And so why do we want to recreate that in our own spaces? Why do we want to recreate that in our own movements? I just think it's so deeply important that we ask these questions of ourselves as we are building our movements. Where are we really ruling them? Are we ruling them in a love ethic? Or are we trying to replicate the same things and hope that it benefits us? I think um, that's just really something we really need to, to sit with. Have we really considered what a love ethic looks like for our own people, for those who benefit from the oppression over us and everything in between? How do we balance that tension? It is not an easy balance um, by any means, but I think it's so deeply important for us to sit with. So I don't want to keep you long. Um, I know our last episode was like 90 minutes. <laughs> but so I really want to keep it short this time around. But I just really want to encourage us um, that we are in a moment right now where the only thing I think that will bring us out stronger is returning to a love ethic and everything that we are doing in community, um, in our churches, um, on our blocks, in our families, um, in our social movements, our political movements, at a time where sometimes it feels so deeply difficult to love, this is a moment to really lean into that, knowing the power 
that love possesses, that is not just a love that makes us feel good. It's a love that transforms. It's a love that builds. It's a love that shifts power um, in different ways. It's a love that tears down oppressive power and builds up liberating power. It is a love that is um, literally God. <laughs> it is the embodiment of God. God's the embodiment of love. So as we close today, I do want to give you one final quote from Salvation. Once again, plug for plug, Salvation, Black People in Love by Bell Hooks, author of All About Love. Please go cop it, pick it up, um, and just bless yourself with this text. But she ends the book um, with some really just powerful words. Um, and most of them center us back to the vision of a beloved community that Dr. King so eloquently um, communicated in his lifetime. And then it ends with these words. We begin our journey with love and love will always bring us back to where we started. Making the choice to love can heal our wounded spirits and our body politic. It is the deepest revolution, the turning away from the world as we know it toward the world we must make if we are to be one with the planet one healing, heart-giving, and sustaining life. Love is our hope and our salvation. When I think about really why I'm able to live this life that I'm able to live now, it's predicated on salvation. It's predicated on the love that was poured out for me when Jesus saved my life. <laughs> and he saved all of ours too. And salvation that is given to us by love opens the door for a deeply transformed life and not just individuals' lives, but our community's lives. Um, that as we walk in the love that God has poured upon us, we are empowered by the spirit to walk in love in our relationships, in our work, and in our movements, in our communities, and everything in which we um, occupy, and in this work for justice. So I just want to thank you for uh, this first go-around for the meditation segment. I really hope this was a blessing for you. Uh, just a reminder that y'all need to be subscribing to this podcast, y'all. Please subscribe <laughs> on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and iHeartRadio. Um, please get those numbers up. Also, if you are liking what we are delivering here at The Revival, please rate and review. Uh, we definitely want to see what you're resonating with, so please leave a comment. And then five stars, you know, we can always do good with a little five-star rating. You can also follow us up at in, on Instagram at The Revival TC Pod. That's The Revival TC as in Twin Cities Pod, P-O-D. We also just started a Facebook page at The Revival, so you can also follow us on Facebook as well. So thank you so much. want to say once again, happy Black History Month, y'all. Y'all better get going for the culture, um, as well as, you know, happy early birthday to me. <laughs> my birthday's in two days, so uh, share some love out to your girl on my birthday, and we will see you for the next episode. The views or opinions expressed by this platform are personal and belong solely to the host and its guests and do not represent those of people, institutions, or organizations that the host may or may not be associated with in professional and personal